one. Hey guys, I'm Caleb Giddings. And I'm Keith Finch. And welcome to another episode of Gunday Brunch. Uh, brought to you, of course, by all of our awesome sponsors. Insert banner. And right, isn't this great? So uh, in our last episode, we took a we, we, we took a bit of a week off, uh, you know, said happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And that obviously prevented us from discussing what was the biggest bit of news in the self-defense uh, area, I guess, self-defense field, self-defense. Self-defense legal just, area as well as self-defense yeah. theory. There, there's a lot of things that got touched on. And we, we've been able to sit on it a little bit longer, um, obviously between time of time of recording guys and time of publication, this may have changed even further. Uh, there, there are definitely hints of defamation lawsuits, uh, surrounding that, but that doesn't have a lot to do with what we're going to discuss. And that's the Rittenhouse case, the Rittenhouse verdict. And we're going to touch on a couple of other, uh, tangents here too. So, so as you guys know, uh, as everyone knows, Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted on all counts, not guilty across the board. Um, right off the bat, I think that based on the evidence that was presented in the trial, and that's a very important statement, that that's the correct verdict. Mm-hmm. I, I concur with that. Having followed it closer than many, especially many online who are commenting about the verdict very, very loudly, you, you could not have come to another verdict given the evidence, given the case the prosecution made, and then given the case that the defense made. And I've seen every, every statement under the sun tossed out when it comes to the Rittenhouse cake case as, oh, well, this, this was just because he had the money to do it and this and that and the other thing. If you look at the way the defense uh, did their thing, they did an all right job, but if you talk to other defense attorneys, they'll point out a lot of errors that the defense, in fact, mm-hmm. made um, dur- during their presentation and a lot of risks uh, that were taken that uh, the, the uh, other attorneys would not have taken in the defense um, uh, when they were making their case as the defense and to self-defense. But it's unequivocal that the prosecution was the best defense in, in the Kyle Rittenhouse Good case. Good Lord. Prosec- the prosecution, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what they were doing. Well, and I can say, uh, I do have some, we do have some good news out of the verdict as well, because if you guys remember in our last Rittenhouse episode, I was very pessimistic about uh, there being rioting after mm-hmm. the verdict. And as of right now, that's me knocking on wood because I'm hella superstitious. Uh, yep. There have been no major, there's been no rioting. There's been some protests. There, there's protests. And yeah, that's fine. They, yeah, protesting is fine. Like it's, and, and this is something that is actually, that I actually wanted to talk about. It's okay. So it's okay to think that the jury got it wrong and to protest about that so long as you understand that the jury getting it wrong is the legally binding, getting it wrong in your opinion is still the legally binding decision, right? Like that was the jury of his peers that the, the way I want people to think about it, and this is the hardest thing I think is perspective, mm -hmm. people's perspective. It's like, look, if you were in Rittenhouse's shoes in a very similar situation, wouldn't you want your 12 jurors 
to take a look at the evidence and decide in your favor based on that evidence? Or would you want them to go with crushing, you know, the crushing weight of public opinion, even if public opinion was against you? Would you want them to take the evidence into account? Or would you want to, them to take the, you know, socially conscious variant of public opinion into account when they made their decision? Which do you want at your trial? Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's like a perfect example of this, obviously, is the OJ trial, right? Everybody knows the jury. Everybody knows that OJ killed his wife, but he was still acquitted by the jury. And that means that because he was acquitted by the jury, it doesn't make it right for you to like, it wouldn't have been right if somebody had gone out and murdered OJ in the result of that or something like that. Um, But yeah, you know, you can disagree with the jury. You can disagree with the Supreme Court. That's part of one of the fundamental rights of being an American is being like, hmm. I don't like the I don't way that like worked. That. Yeah, I don't like the way the system worked in this instance. Cool, dude. Go get elected. Uh, you know, go to law school, become a judge. You, you know, go to law school, be a lawyer, become a judge. Uh, change it. Yeah, or legislator, or you know, take that path, or even make make a YouTube video about it. Yeah. Say say why you think it is wrong and here are your opinions on the subject but expect to be taken as seriously as those opinions are grounded mm-hmm. in reality like and speaking of opinions on the subject let's talk about why we both believe that this was uh the right verdict it, it's one of those things that if you look at the if you look at the individual, we, we can have the argument on whether or not it was wise for Kyle Rittenhouse right. to be Kenosha all day. And you and I both agree that it was not a wise decision for him to be there. That was never the the question that was before the, the jury. That was never a question that the prosecution could bring is that Kyle did not have a right to be there for some reason, whether it was he crossed state lines to be there which he did not do with a firearm. He, he was just, you know, he just drove 20 miles to Kenosha from his, his hometown um, or, or anything like that. What was on, what was ultimately at risk. And we've, we've had this discussion in circles and we've had this discussion, you know, here on, on Gunday brunch is was the first shooting was the Joseph Rosenbaum shooting going to end up being justified was rosenbaum chasing him through the the actions prior to the shooting would that end up being justified because there was a legitimate risk to kyle's life would that be affirmed you and i both took a look at that footage took a look at the surrounding evidence as it was available and we both said yeah i think i think it's legit you you and i both came down on the side that said no that first shooting was legit that first shooting was self-defense because you would you would in that situation be at risk of death or great bodily injury from being chased down by a man in a parking lot screaming at you threatening to kill you uh allegedly um and i think this was presented as evidence uh rosenbaum had verbally threatened kyle and somebody else mm-hmm. um to kill them if he found them alone. And then he found them, he found Kyle Rittenhouse alone, right. chased him down to the parking lot. And when he came into physical contact with Rittenhouse, that's when, you know, he fucked around and found out. Yes. Uh, or as Tucker Carlson said, uh, he died as he lived trying to touch an unconsenting minor, which was the <laughs> most was- incredible roast. I, like, again, 
I, I, I try to not take pleasure in the deaths of anyone. However, we can all, I think everyone can agree that uh, losing someone like Rosenbaum is no loss to society at all. It, which, it is not. I'm not sorry about it. No, brings me to the prosecutors trying to paint them as heroes, which was a line that was actually used in their closing arguments was that these guys were quote unquote heroes for trying to chase down what they believed to be an active shooter, despite the fact that Kyle didn't fire the first shot, but apparently that's, you know, no, they, they believed the, the, uh, the entire argument I saw summed up somewhere was that the prosecution's entire case rested on convincing the jury that all the things that they saw didn't actually happen the way they saw them Mm -hmm. and the way that I saw them and the way that you saw them and the way that everybody, including the prosecutor, saw them. What if they happened, but not that way? That was their... What What if if everything we believe is wrong? What if it's the Matrix, guys? Like... I mean, it, it, it was, was it was a uh, it was a very interesting uh, effort, I think, and it goes back to, in my opinion, the political nature of the case. You're you're messing with a, a disabled gun, so I am now messing. Yes, with sorry uh, for anyone who's wondering. This is the Cold Steel LCR trainer, fits all LCR holsters. It's very awesome. Um, so, and I'm. XP three twenty and it fits three twenty holsters and it has a magazine. Ooh, yours has a magazine. <laughs> Mine doesn't have any of that. Um, one of the things that I also thought was interesting, and this is actually, I think, if you carry a gun for personal protection, you have to acknowledge that there is the possibility that you may have to shoot someone, and you yep. also should acknowledge the possibility that you may have to shoot someone in circumstances which, while to you may seem like clearly justifiable self-defense may not seem that way to everyone else. You know, this is why I joke with my wife that like, if I have to shoot someone in a non-military capacity, in a non-on-duty capacity, I want that person to be a white guy with Nazi SS lightning bolts tattooed on his face, who is in the process of throwing a Molotov cocktail at a school bus full of disadvantaged children on their way to a STEM camp. Like I want to shoot that guy. Because yep. that's the guy that you shoot him, and even CNN is like, "Yeah, no, fuck that guy," you know. Yeah, that's that's the guy that I hope I get in the fight with the the clear clear cut case of, oh no no, fuck that guy. Yeah, um, and but speaking, that's not the reality. Yeah, that's that's not the reality, and we we can see that in this case, and we can see that in other cases. And uh, there was a case that I I wanted to bring up, and it's the Ahmed Arbery McMichael case. Mm-hmm. Um, which I just got a notice that uh, the jury has decided. Oh, the jury has just returned it just now? The, the jury has just returned it just now. Uh, they're going away for murder. Yep. Uh, yep. Which is not surprising. That is, uh, that is unsurprising given the facts in that case. Just like it's not surprising for me to see that Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted based on the evidence and based on what we saw happen. It's not surprising to me, nor is it, it, nor does it dishearten me in any way from a self-defense law standpoint, from a legal standpoint, that the McMichaels and the other guy who recorded the whole thing um, are going to prison. One of the biggest differences, and I will say I haven't paid as much attention to the Arbery case as I have to the Rittenhouse case. I can can go through a quick rundown. Hit him. 
All right. So quick rundown of the Ahmed Arbery McMichael case. So the McMichaels live in the neighborhood and so does the other guy. They all live in the same neighborhood. They had a, a group chat going or a Facebook group going of, you know, tracking petty crimes and whatnot in the area. There'd been a couple of break-ins, snatch and grab type uh, situations out of cars, including the McMichaels car in which uh, a pistol was stolen from them. The senior McMichael was a old hand in law enforcement, had done like 30 years with the county uh, as an investigator. And then his son, uh, were, they were both at the same residence when they saw Ahmed Arbery in an open construction project across the street. And they both decided at that point in time, that's the dude who's been robbing you know, causing all this, this, uh, robbery break and whatever. And so they decided to grab their guns, hop in their pickup truck and chase him. Uh, their neighbor who was in the second truck and whose cell phone video is the definitive piece of evidence in this, uh, decided to get in his truck and follow the McMichaels truck. So they chased Arbery down with two pickup trucks, uh, all armed with guns, or at least the McMichaels were armed with guns. So at this point, you have uh, a young black man whose only actual, oh, the only actual evidence and the physical evidence taken from the property, but the only actual thing that McMichaels saw was he was in the open construction project and then continued rogging, running, jogging on. That's all they can, all they had on Aubrey at that time. They then inferred at oh, this must be the guy or among the crew or whatever they, they happen to think who's been, you know, breaking and stealing stuff, breaking in and stealing stuff and, and whatnot. So they chase him down in the truck. They confront him. Uh, the younger McMichael gets out with a shotgun to confront uh, Aubrey, who tries to flee and go around. And then, in my opinion, Aubrey does the only reasonable thing as a young black man confronted by three white men with guns and went for the closest guy with the gun. Yeah. So, I, and that about tracks with what, you know, like I wasn't aware of some of the particulars of that, but the one thing I was aware of, and one of the reasons why I think there's a critical difference between this and the uh, Rittenhouse case is in the Rittenhouse case, the prosecutors attempted to portray Kyle as the instigator as the one who yep. initiated the violent contact which led to those people's deaths and by as we saw with the videos and all of that by was bringing it. the gun and he right. wasn't yeah so and that was the thing he didn't he wasn't the one who initiated contact he was trying he was kyle was actively trying to break contact from an aggressive crowd when he eventually got caught by himself by someone who had already threatened to kill him and had to defend himself that's pretty clear-cut self-defense to me he was trying to he was essentially trying i mean he's doing a poor job of e and e because he has no training in e and e but that's what he was trying to do the key difference at least to me is that the mcmichaels were initiating the contact they were in pursuit of someone they were chasing this guy down and that initiating contact and that pursuit is what led to uh uh, Mr. Arbery's eventual murder, which we can now yes. call a murder because it, it is it is confirmed a murder. They are yeah. they are murderers. They are they have been convicted by the jury of their peers. I am not surprised. I'm not disheartened about this because it is a very these two cases very clearly delineate what active self defense is, guys. Yeah. And it's at the more we can very clearly point to two 
otherwise similar situations. It's like, oh, well, this this kid, you know, had a gun and the other the other guy didn't have a gun, but it was self-defense. Yeah, that can happen. Well, here's a competing case where these guys had guns. Aubrey did not have a gun, but the one who would have been justifiable in using force and self-defense to include taking the McMichael's shotguns and shooting them all would have been Aubrey. Yeah. If, Aubrey had, if, if Aubrey had lived and had taken the gun and held them or taken the gun and shot them, it which would have been justified. Both, both very, very high risk, but it would have been justified because in, from his position, he had gone into an open construction site and looked around. I, I don't even give a damn if he pocketed anything. I honestly don't. Yeah. But he he then uh, ran ran on his way. Like ev- evidence suggests he didn't at all. Um, but he then jogged on his way. He was then chased down by three men with guns who were trying to detain him illegally and like pack him, pack him away. And they, they claim that they were just waiting for the cops to show up and, and talk to him about the break-ins and everything like that. Like you can claim that all you want. You can say that all you want, your actions still initiated the violent contact and you brought the lethal force. So the whole argument that uh, Binger was trying to make with Rittenhouse was actually true in the McMichael case. Yeah. It was actually true in the McMichael case because not because they brought firearms, but they brought firearms with intent to do unlawful things with them, starting with unlawful imprisonment. And it ended up in Aubrey's death, which is now confirmed a murder. So I think we can get some important takeaways from both of these cases, uh, you know, and obviously we've talked about takeaways from the Rittenhouse case about, you know, not going to be in silly places with silly people and stuff like that. But also, you know, Kyle tried to escape. He tried to break contact he, and he did, he, he did things, you know, after the initial fuck up of being there in the first place, uh, which, Hey, you know, he had a right to be there. I don't think that was a smart choice. I will remain saying that wasn't a smart choice forever, but after that initial poor choice, he did things right. And that's yeah, part of why just because turned- it was a poor choice doesn't mean it was a, an illegal one, which was, yeah, exactly. Not an illegal choice, and it, it wasn't. And from your own particular moral compass, it may have been the choice that yeah. you, belts should should have been made or not me personally still think it unwise you personally still think it's unwise but now let's talk about the mcmichaels because so here's and here's what i want to hammer on on this there is nothing inherently immoral or unethical about wanting to protect your neighborhood that is actually one of the most fundamental principles that like human society uh works on is wanting to protect your in-group and you know your neighborhood your clan your whatever and that's fine however your concealed carry permit, your home defense gun, none of these things are a Batman badge. None of these things are a license to go out and detain people who are doing things that you think are naughty. And as you can see, doing that can result in life-altering permanent consequences because Mm -hmm. a guy is dead who didn't need to be dead. And three people are going to go to prison for 20 years to life because they felt like their desire to protect this area was a Batman badge. Let me tell you what they could have done that would have been far more effective than chase some guy down in a truck. What they could have done is gone, there's three buttons on your phone. You press nine, you press one, and then you press one, and you say, hey, police, there's a guy in this neighborhood that we don't recognize. There's been a lot of break-ins. It's uh, 
black male. He's six foot one. He's dressed blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. We used these cameras that everyone has in our pockets to take some really, really good photos of him so that, you know, if you want uh, more information, we can provide that to you and we'll stay on the line until he leaves my field of view. But if you could roll a unit down here to investigate, that would be sick. Nobody probably would have died if that, if they had done that. Yeah. And even and the the worst the worst case scenario out of that is it hope hopefully is Aubrey has an awkward conversation with the police and then the three the three guys who are now going to prison for murder have an equally awkward conversation with the police where they go well he was in the open construction project and the cops go and yeah exactly well, he could and then they go and and yeah and that would have been a much preferable outcome to a guy getting dead and three people going to prison. And, and here's the thing. I don't actually believe that the McMichaels and the third guy are like inherently evil people. Uh, I, I think they made the poorer of a, a series of poor decisions because I, I, do, I, don't think, I don't think overt racism played a part in this decision. No. Um, I, I think a very misplaced sense of protecting your community was and a misplaced sense of authority. Yeah. And yeah. Stupidity. Uh, yeah. I think the misplaced sense of authority is a big thing too. And, you know, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about like systemic racism or something like that. And on a completely different yeah, podcast. We, we, we could do less conscious race, subconscious racism, uh, systemic racism, um, cultural attitudes and things like that. We, we could have a very long and um, unfortunately, you know, ill-informed discussion about very that, ill-informed <laughs> oh yeah but when it comes to overt racism like do i three i think the three guys who murdered aubrey were card-carrying kkk members no i don't think any of them were i don't think any of their attitudes uh traced along those lines i think they were just really dumb and mm -hmm. did the wrong things and now they get to go to prison for it because they did murder a dude yeah and that's again sucks the suck man if I want to, if I was going to foot stomp any single one thing out of this, it would be, you're not Batman. You're not, you know, and you're not, a, you're not even a cop. And, you know, people, I guarantee someone in the comments will point out that at the time that they were doing this, uh, you know, Atlanta, or Atlanta, Georgia had a citizen's arrest statute on the books that allowed citizens to detain people for prop for like for the suspicion of even misdemeanors. So, Fun fact about citizen's arrest. It is legal in all 50 states uh, to detain someone for like a serious felony. As a private citizen, if you catch someone in the act of a serious felony, like, you know, attempted murder or rape or things like that, you as a you citizen can, can, yeah, you can do that. That's legal. Is it recommended? No. Uh, but different conversations. It is in fact legal. So, in, so that, and that covers you in the instance of, Hey, someone breaks into your house and you mm -hmm. keep them at that point, you're covered. You didn't unlawfully detain someone in that. Someone, someone tries to murder someone else in front of you and you're the concealed carry person who draws on them and holds them at gunpoint until the, the, uh, the cops Police, get there yeah. and take over the situation. Again, you are not unlawfully detaining someone in, in that situation. You did not commit an unlawful detainment. You were citizens arresting. That covers you in that type of situation. What it doesn't allow you to do is go full Paul Blart and which is what the McMichaels tried to do. Yeah. And 
Well, now, and in Georgia, they had a, their statute allowed citizens to detain people for like misdemeanors, property crimes and stuff like that. After uh, Arbery's murder, they repealed that law. They're like, ooh, we should probably get this off our books. And they did. Mm-hmm. And the defense's case was built around whether or not that that whether or not that was a reasonable justification for their their actions obviously the jury said hell nah oh so you know again that and this goes back to a pet peeve of mine property isn't worth killing people over like most prop most property is not worth killing people over or dying over you know and it really is when you take a gun this is something that uh, i think craig douglas talks about is that when you take a gun to a potential use of force even if you are only intending it to be uh a non-lethal use of force uh, you know to detain someone you are creating the possibility of escalation to deadly force and if you're the person who's initiating that force you need to understand the potential consequences of it not being lawful self-defense and that was one of the things that the younger McMichael, the one, the one who uh, actually shot and killed Aubrey, um, tried to use in his defense is he was a member of the Coast Guard and received some firearms training when he was a Coastie. And the Coast Guard's a law enforcement branch, guys, for the most part. They're, they're DHS. They're not DOD. And so they do have policing powers in a way that um, DOD Wait, members- Wait, was he like a Coast Guard reservist when this happened? I don't think he was in when this happened, but he he- pushed back on his firearms training and he alleges he alleges that oh well we were taught in the coast guard that you could use a firearm to de-escalate a situation and i'm sitting there like you didn't pay attention yeah you like, clearly missed you, a step you, you clearly missed a lot of steps because in any of the use of force scales in any of the escalations de-escalations they always emphasize if you're paying attention they always emphasize that it can go either way it can go up, it can go down. So if you're using less than lethal force or detaining force, that could pacify a situation. It could also escalate a situation and you must be ready for both. So the the McMichael's defense in that regard was, oh, well, I was just bringing the shotgun to help detain him and they and he, uh, he attacked me instead. It's like, yeah, him attacking you was an entirely reasonable response to his perspective on that situation. And it, it's one of those that I brought up at the time, and I will bring it up now. Had Aubrey been armed at the time and shot the McMichaels, he, he very likely would have been found justified in self-defense right. based on the facts of the situation. Like you got chased down by three armed dudes while you were running through this neighborhood and had just stopped in an open construction project. Um, that's, and bro, nope. So I just, uh, your comment about Travis McMichael and the Coast Guard, I just went on a little Google search uh, quest here to find yep. out what his rate was when he was in the Coast Guard. He yep. was an ME. He was a mechanical. He, he was a mechanic. He worked on yep. engines. He wasn't even a law enforcement rate. The Coast yep. Guard has law enforcement rates. They're, I forget what they are because they, they were came, they were created after I left the Coast Guard. But there's no indication that he had actually any formalized law enforcement training in the Coast Guard. So we can get fucked. No, no. Um, sorry, I'm very passionate. About uh, I, I, I did, I did, uh, I did not, I knew that I knew he was a mechanic because the, the stories always mentioned that his actual job was mechanic, but he tried to bring and be like, Oh no, when we were taught shotgun, this was how like, no, fuck that guy. This, that's um, like, that's like some little 92 alpha coming out. It's like, well, when I went through special forces in 
you know, yeah. information in Doc. Like, <laughs> shut up. But you do make a good point. Like, if Ahmad Arbery had had a concealed carry permit and he had whipped out a Glock 19 and blasted those guys, justified. And I would have argued until I was blown in the face easily, that that is a clean shoot. Yep. Easily justifiable. Oh, dudes dudes ran me down in a truck with guns and I yeah. shot them. I, I would have been lighting up the truck. Like, I see dudes coming at me in a truck with, like... I, okay, and I, I need to, ca- you know, caveat this. Obviously, I am not a black guy, and I don't have that experience. However, uh, I, uh, if I was a black guy in the South, and I saw dudes coming at me in a truck with shotguns, there's actually a cultural, like, th- that is a culturally significant sort of thing. <laughs> uh, like, honestly, if he had, you know, magically produced a 249, it was like, nope, fuck this. <laughs> Justified, clean. So, and, and I think there are some aspects of Georgia law that would would cover him in that regard and having like, a 249 hell yeah <laughs> yeah the um the because we we both have a lot of friends who are in georgia and so georgia law specifically uh comes up quite a bit and i think under georgia self-defense law it really doesn't matter what weapon gets produced or the circumstances in which that weapon appears if it's lawful self-defense it's lawful self-defense so okay. So the two forty nine theory could, in in theory, have worked out. Damn it! Now I wish he'd have with a Mac ten or something. But anyway, yeah, oh, yeah, just would have been. He would have been out of ammo, like yep. real quick. All right, guys. So uh, we're gonna put a put a bow on this one. So Rittenhouse justified self defense. Uh, the Arbery case clearly a murder. Um, there are really important lessons that we can take from both of these. I think for me. The most important lesson is you're not Batman. And if you guys can just, and if anybody, if that's what you take away from this is like, if you have a carry permit, if you have a gun for home defense, what I want you to do in the light of both of these cases, which had, you know, even though Kyle was acquitted, he, this is a life altering outcome for him. Right? No, no matter what, his life will never be the same. And I want you to go back. And this is something that was said to me this weekend. And I want you to go and I want you to think about what actions that you're willing to take that would result in you leaving someone behind and how many people you're really comfortable leaving behind. So you're not Batman, guys. That's that's what I got. That's that's my takeaway. That's the end of this episode from my end. You're not Batman. And and I'll I'll back that up. You th- this is real life. This is real life. Your actions have real consequences. And the fact that you haven't considered all of those consequences is the is one of the leading uh, elements in both of these cases. In Rittenhouse's case, it was self-defense, but there's still going to be very negative consequences for him for the rest of his life. And he's mm-hmm. 18. So for the rest of his life, he's going to be Kyle Rittenhouse and have and have the consequences of being the guy who shot three people in Kenosha. Um, they just happen to all be a pedophile, a domestic abuser, and a, and a guy with some lesser charges who he, who's, um, <laughs> whose army vaporized. Or you get to be the McMichaels, and the oldest one probably dies in prison. The, uh, the second oldest one gets to spend most of his adult life in prison. And the third one, I don't know how old he is, but like they're, they're going away. And from a, from a you know 10,000-foot view of this thing, it's like, oh, these are two people, you know, two separate people who had guns, who shot people who didn't have guns, except in the, the third case for Rittenhouse, and they both claimed self-defense with two very different legal outcomes 
And it all had to do with the decisions made prior, with the decisions made very immediately prior to the shoot, where Rittenhouse was very clearly trying to disengage from the situation. And then McMichaels were actively engaged in the confrontation in, in a situation where despite, you know, wanting to quote unquote, defend and protect your neighborhood, this was not at the level of defend and protect, bring out the guns. This yeah. was not. This was, really? this was not four dudes rolling through your neighborhood shooting at random houses. That would right. be, uh, yep, I shoot back. Yeah, this was, 100%, go chase those guys. Yep, absolutely, engage those guys, stop those guys, protect your family. Um, but that was not this. It was not. And you trying to there say, well, I was in fear for my... It, it's the exact thing that Binger was trying to in, intimate that Kyle did. You don't get to be the one creating self-defense when you are the one who created the threat. The problem with Binger's argument wasn't that it wasn't true um, in it in its core element, because it was. If you're the one who creates the lethal threat, who escalates, your argument of self-defense is going to be very suspect. The problem with Binger's argument was that it wasn't true for Kyle. He wasn't mm -hmm. the one who initiated the threat. Rosenbaum was, and then Huber was, and then Grosskreutz was. In, in the case of uh, Ahmed Arbery, he wasn't the one who initiated the lethal threat. The McMichaels were driving, driving down with the truck and then hopping out with the guns. Like, absolutely, they're the lethal threat. They're the one who escalated. And the juries made those decisions. The jury made the decision in Rittenhouse's case, self-defense. The jury made the decision in the McMichaels case, guilty of sin. They're going, they're going away for murder. Uh, and on that happy note, uh, that's it for, <laughs> yeah, that's it for this make guys. smart decisions, guys, make, make good smart choices, good make, choices, make good choices, choices that no result in prison or, or people dying unless they really need to die. Yeah. The, yeah. Like they, there, I, you and I will both agree that there are a list of people that, that do exist that should oh, die. Sure. It's not very big. No. It, so they're. <laughs> yeah anyway guys that's it for this week uh thanks everyone for watching listening liking sharing subscribing and doing all those fun actions uh this is the first week of december that you're listening to this probably so you know we're starting to get into the christmas season uh just a reminder uh that lethal weapon and die hard are both christmas movies Correct. See you guys next, we'll see you guys next week <laughs>